financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Stand on the line, play the game again. Everybody's gonna lose, and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day. So stick around, baby, and everything will be okay. Hello, everybody. And welcome once again to Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, this is a show where I, Josh Rubin, and I, Noel Dean, come together once a week over a single topic. And from said topic, we come up with three to four ideas <laughs> on how to get really rich really quickly. Uh-huh. And uh, we give them to you. You take them, you action them. Uh, we supposedly, based on a review I read and uh, a couple Twitter feeds that you didn't really fully answer, apparently. Oh, really? Uh, well, someone apparently made $140 million bucks off of one of our ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. Wants to send us the 14 mil yeah. and doesn't have an address. I, I keep telling them, you send it to Radio Free Brooklyn care of Noldenine and Josh. And you told him to send it as a sack of cash. Sack of cash. We, yeah. like, we like sacks of cash. Sure, we do, but Radio Free Brooklyn's going to like it more. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a sealed sack. If that Tom t $14 million <laughs> in a duffel bag, there's going to be like Bill spilling out over the top. Tom Tenney's going to see that money and his hey, little communist on. heart is going to go pitter-patter, and suddenly you're going to be seeing all this brand-new equipment at Radio Free Brooklyn, and you'll be like, where did all the money come for all this stuff? Anyway, you guys take it. You action it like the guy who uh, or person who uh, did it and made $140 million, yeah. and then apparently another $20 million on stocks on top of that, which we don't get a piece of. I didn't see that. Yeah, it was $140 million, and then with investment of that $140 million, we made an additional $20 million. Wow. This is the kind of testimonial <laughs> that we need more of. A lot more of, yes. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so you actually you get rich. I've already given away the ghost on this, because when you get rich... From our ideas, then you throw us a little change. You throw us a little money. You yeah. say, give us a thank you. And how do they do that, Noel? How you do that is you get a big brown paper bag. You go to the bank. You get a bunch of singles, tens, twenties, <laughs> unmarked bills. Uh -huh. Put them in the bag, equaling 10% of all the money you made while you got rich. Not the money you made investing that money afterwards. Just the money you made off our schemes, and you mail that money to Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> care of us. You mail it in a paper bag, no less. Well, How many? Like, imagine if someone, if someone actually made a lot of money off of one of our ideas and decided uh -huh. that they were going to mail yeah. $10 million yeah. in unmarked bills to us in, yeah. in paper shopping bags yeah. to Radio Free Brooklyn. I see no problem. 
Nothing. No problem whatsoever. No. That would get to us. It would. Maybe that's the problem all along is that people mailing us cash in paper bags and like there are just all these like Radio Free Brooklyn. Why is there a different mailman every week? <laughs> what? What? Do you, why does he? Why do they keep quitting on this route? I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. And that's why. Maybe. That that's why. Be, that might be what's going on. Uh huh. You can put the bag in a box if you really want to. We can we can blame it on DeJoy and the way he's screwing over the postal service. That's probably what it is. Nope. It's postal people on that route taking our bags of money, our yeah. paper bags of cash. And now retiring to the Caribbean. That's right. Buying tigers to keep in their apartment. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Noel, now that we've told the people what's what. What's what? What we're about. Yeah. I always start the show off where I ask you a very simple question. Okay. How have you been, buddy? Oh, it seems simple. It's so tricky. No, I've been okay. You know, working a lot. Uh, I just heard some news uh, earlier today, which is a little upsetting. Did Ted um, Cruz go back to Cancun? Is <laughs> still there, isn't he? Did he get, come back? No, he came back the oh. next morning. Okay. He he apparently, I assume, spoke to someone in his office, and they were like, "Dude, bad fucking idea." Yeah. And he bought a ticket at six o'clock in the morning, and came right back. And then said that the plan was always to come back that early. Yeah. Until he got it, he was, you know, it was said like, then why did you buy the ticket at six in the morning? Yeah. This is like Chris Christie with the beach thing. Time yes, 20, it is definitely. Yeah. 20. Yeah. I mean, it's no Mario Cuomo, you know, undercounting the dead people that he's responsible for. <laughs> They're hard to count. They all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> Those old people, they all look the same. <laughs> um,. So I did just hear before this that, uh, do you know the Pitt Theater? Uh, yeah. The Pitt Theater uh, has two spaces. The major one, though, is closing. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, from uh, not being able to be open for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, tends to do that to a theater. And I was just going to say, I don't know, do you know Ali Paranakian, uh, the owner of the Pitt? No, I don't know anybody. Okay, so I know him from a long time ago from Chicago. Uh, he was involved at Improv Olympic and stuff. He's uh, Armenian, I take it? Uh, I think he's Iranian, actually. Faranakian or yeah. Faranaki? Faranakian. Usually the I-A-N is, is, is indicates Armenian. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I always thought he was uh, Iranian. Um, but, so, nice, odd dude. He's an odd dude, but very nice guy. Ever, ever since I first met him, probably 26 years ago or something like that, 27 years ago, uh, he's every time he's ever seen me, remembered my name, remembered everything about me, talked to me, what's going on, blah blah blah. Very nice guy. Um, he w when I started at Improv Olympic, I'm, I think I've mentioned the story before, but it right now it bears repeating because of the pit going under as an ode to the pit. It's like when Mark Marin rebroadcasts yes, exactly. episodes of uh, from from guests he's had who have passed yes, away exactly. so you can tell a, this, a story over if you want okay. that's totally fine and acceptable so um uh 
and I and I should preface this by saying that he was in an odd spot at the time uh, and has since uh, sobered up <laughs> and stopped <laughs> systematically <laughs> destroying his life. Um, uh huh. But um, so he was teaching a class at Improv Olympic at a level two, and my girlfriend at the time was in his class, um, and it was like a uh, what. Some off night, maybe it was a Sunday night or something like that, and um, he was teaching in. The, there were two theater spaces, right? A downstairs and the upstairs. And the downstairs had shows going on, and mm-hmm. upstairs had this <coughs> class. So I lived close to the theater and walked up there to meet her when she was finishing her class. And I get there, and everyone in the theater is like. <coughs> all weirded out. Mm-hmm. And um, Amy, uh, who I was dating at the time, was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, we were in class. And Ali was... So it was it was in a theater space with a bar, this uh-huh. class. <laughs> so he was pouring pitchers of beer and just drinking the pitcher like it was a big mug wow and then mid-class decided that his class was so good that people deserved to see them uh-huh he marched the class down uh march got all the everyone to stand up yeah marched them downstairs interrupted the show and progress that people had <laughs> paid for uh-huh uh, kicked those people off the stage and then made wow. level two get up and have the most awkward show of their lives in front of all these wow. people. Wow. <laughs> and so um, uh, I had to wait for her for some stuff going on. You know, after your shows, you have notes and things like that. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Of course she wasn't having notes. I, I forget why I was waiting for her, but I, but I was waiting. Um, and I was kind of in the back and... Ali and the woman who uh, owned the theater, Sharna, uh, end up sitting directly behind me. Uh, <laughs> and she's just like to him, like, you are so fuck. Oh, and I should I should also say this. Uh, as I said, he was going through a moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he was in a Second City touring company. Uh-huh. Uh, and they, like a week before, had a, had a show at a high school. <clears throat> and those types of shows they referred to as no fuck shows because they had to be clean. Right. So he took offense to this and got up and got the whole high school to start chanting fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was, he was well, fired. Well, he's, a, he's immediately my hero. <laughs> yeah. I just want you to know that right now. Immediately my hero. So so he got fired from Second City, and then uh-huh. so this was a week later, uh, and Sharn is telling him about how fucking fired he is. And uh, they're going back and forth, and he convinces her... <laughs> Because he is a very charismatic guy, he's a little. He's got a little bit of the preacher bug in him. Yeah, even several pitchers in apparently. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Like, yeah. So he convinces Sharna that instead of paying him for the class he had taught, 
right for the whole the whole <coughs> session it was it was uh-huh. the last class of right. like whatever an eight class level right gotcha so instead of paying him for that and paying the money that she owed him he wanted everyone in the place to be able to drink all they wanted until they were done <laughs> and so they start squabbling about the details over this and I'm sure in Sharna's mind, she was like, oh, they're not going to be able to drink as much as as I owe him, right? But uh-huh. she's, like, of course, like, no, that's crazy. And that that's blah, blah, blah. And, and, then so, and then so he starts going like, well, what if we lock the door and no one else can come in? <laughs> <laughs> and so they start hashing this out. And then eventually it's like, fine. So they lock the door. And they announced to everyone, uh, and that b- by this time, it, a little time had passed. Mm-hmm. So it was all, it, it was mostly like like the random people that had come to see a show had left. But there was probably mm-hmm. 30, 40 people there that were involved in the theater. Wow. Uh, because it was, it was kind of a hangout place for people. To uh-huh. And people would come there and they would have practices. And, you know, if, if you were involved in the theater, you could come for free, watch shows. Um, so, so <laughs> they announce, um, Hey everybody, uh, instead of getting paid for Ali's class, uh, we've locked <gasps> the doors so no one else can come in, uh, and you can't leave and come back, but everyone here can drink until you're done. And, uh, and then that's, what's going to happen. So it's like, okay, so everyone starts ordering drinks. Uh, Ali gets behind the bar with this other uh, guy who was a teacher there who was one of, like, the founders of the place, kind of. And uh, <laughs> they're, like, screaming in people's faces, like, <laughs> get back and drink out of drink. <laughs> and it, it, things get very hazy in this place, right? Like, uh-huh. everyone is just, like, they're just throwing drinks and shots down in front of Uh everyone and they get up and people are playing the piano and singing and at one point um the the after shows were over a lot of times performers would uh i i didn't because i'm not i'm not a gambler at all but Mm -hmm. uh there would be people they would set up tables on the stage and play poker so there had been some people playing poker and they stopped and there were still some tables up there and uh, Ali gets up on stage, and he starts giving a speech about why he did what he did. And it was one of the most inspirational <laughs> make you, you could have walked in there not knowing what improv was, and by the time mm-hmm. the speech was over, you fell in love and wanted to dedicate your life to improv. And as he's talking, he's getting more and more heated up <laughs> and ah, right, and starts grabbing these tables with big iron bases on the stage and just flinging them across the room. <laughs> and they're smashing into all this other stuff. And the whole place was going banana. It was the cr- it was one of the craziest. And as I said, you could have never heard of improv before that night you would have walked out of there that night 
saying I am from this point on dedicating my life to improv. Uh, it, was, it was great. Uh, as I say, he's, he's since uh, turned his life around in many ways. Uh, and he came here, opened the pit. Um, <coughs> and apparently the pit's still going to exist. It's just in order to make sure it can still exist, they got to shut down their big theater. Right. Well, chances are good that that space is going to stay shut down for a while. Yeah. You know, no one's going to snap it up right away, so he may be able to get back and maybe, yeah, pick it up. He already has a relationship with the man, with the, uh, with the landlord. Mm-hmm. Well, rip the room, the pit room, the main room. The what? Rip the main room of the pit, right? The performance room. You said they have two spaces. Well, the pit also does. I, uh, no, this story was from uh, Improv Olympic in Chicago. I understand, but you're saying the pit closed. The pit does. So the pit does have, it's got a, a big theater on the first floor. Right. And also, and then it's got a basement uh, small theater. Uh, but the then bas- they also have... They the open- basement s- small theater still exists, right? No, no. Oh. Not. They had, they initially opened up on... Uh, you know, over in Chelsea, kind of by the Magnet and old UCB. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still have <clears> a small space there that they're renting out for other things. And then he also opened a couple um, rehearsal studios, mm-hmm. which I think are still going. Although I can't see how that that'd be a hard one to sustain during. This you would time. think. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're gonna. They still have the old little theater, apparently. But, uh, yeah, that was it. Well, I don't recall you ever telling that story before for what it's oh, worth. okay, great. That's the first time I remember hearing it. Okay. But it was rousing and inspiring. It was. And makes me want to just eat this show alive. Yes. <laughs> um, and with that being said, Noel, uh-huh. that story had nothing to do with today's topic. No. But what is today's topic? Today's topic is fingerprints. How to leave your imprint all the way to the top. Yeah. Wow. Nice. I like that. You like that? Right? Uh, so fingerprints, Noel. Yeah. Fingerprints, guys. How are we going to get rich off of them? I'm going to tell you right now. Right? So you, we all know what fingerprints are, right? Uh, they are the lines on your fingers. Um, they form... Uh, as you first start developing in the womb, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- they're for- formed by basically as your layers of skin grow, they kind of catch on each other a little bit. Um, and this creates these folds. And as they develop, they just become kind mm-hmm. of there, right? Mm-hmm. Um so they're not genetic, right? So two identical twins, completely different fingerprints, have nothing mm-hmm. to do with each other. Um, they're kind of just a random identifier that are put on you, a person. Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. moisture and grease on your fingers cause the telltale marks be left on things we touch, a.k.a. the fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't until 1788 that a German scholar first noticed that fingerprints were unique. Uh, <clears throat> and then fingerprints first began being used in forensics 
1892 by a detective in Argentina. Before that, they had been used a little bit as for identification. Uh, but in 1892, a detective in Argentina first used them to help crack a case. Um, and uh, it wasn't until... 1901 that we started first using them uh, for forensics in the U.S. But interestingly, mm-hmm. just because you bring that up, there is a book written by Mark Twain called Puddinghead Wilson, which I remember reading ages ago, that was written in the late 1800s that was all about a detective using fingerprints. I did read something about that, that he had predicted them, basically. Um, so... Um, in the U.S., what they used to do, uh, even though they had heard about this fingerprint thing and they were like, no, we have a better system. And the better system was they would measure people's bones. Uh, and that was considered to be unique. And uh, until one time, a man was convicted of a crime uh, and sent to jail. And when he got to jail, one of the things they did was they would measure all your bones so that you'd be in the system. Um, and as they did that, they realized that he was an exact match of another prisoner at that same prison. Uh, but their fingerprints were unique. So it became, you know, well, apparently this bone measurement's not as as good as we're thinking. This fingerprint thing still seems to be bearing out, so we should switch to fingerprints, and fingerprints took over. Um. And from there, they blossomed, right? They're used. They they dust crime scenes for fingerprints. They uh, find fingerprints all over the place and use them in court. Um, fingerprinting is not perfect. Uh, even though your actual fingerprint may be unique, uh, they really only tell certain... Uh, it's up to, like, wh- whatever it is. It's what uh, the 16 points or whatever it is, right? Um so yeah apparently though the u.s does not have every every country has different uh requirements yeah for uh what would what's considered a match and i think the sort of standard is generally like 16 to 20 points but the u.s has no standard well in court but i think uh law enforcement does right oh um, I don't know. What I had read was that the U.S. has no standard. There's no set legal standard maybe for, not. for amount of points necessary to match. Maybe not. But in this case, I'm about to mention oh, that you okay. keep stopping me from. Uh, they, they do have a thing because um, so, so the, the, the way the FBI measures them is... 0.1% off. They're wrong 0.1% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which adds up to sixty over 60,000 false positives, false IDs a year. Wow, that's a lot. Fingerprints, yes. <clears throat> um, and, you know, with everything else, with all the cameras everywhere, um, fingerprints are, you know, not what they used to be evi- in evidence, right? Um, so, you know, my first thing is how do we revitalize the fingerprint? How do we bring back its luster to the days when it took over the good old bone measurement? And I was reading and I saw something saying that, um, 
disease can be predicted from a fingerprint. Really? Yeah. Um, and apparently, um, there's several diseases that can be detected from sweat. And the grease and moisture that make up your fingerprint uh, is largely sweat. So when something can be detected in sweat, it can be detected in your fingerprint, right? Um, so I, I took a look at that. Um, and yeah, there is, there's uh, diabetes can be detected through fingerprints. Um, cystic fibrosis can be detected through fingerprints. Um, and I thought, well, you know, sure that would improve the uh accuracy a little bit but what else could you do that would help in court and i saw that you can also through sweat you mm. can uh you can detect the emotions of the person from when they were sweating right so you can detect fear you can detect passion there's all sorts of emotions you can detect uh pheromones and different things get chemicals get released in your sweat and can be detected so i thought that right there would be a great thing to be able to use in court right if you're trying to paint a picture or or if you're trying to get someone off right but what better way to to get them off than to show that he had fear in his fingerprint that you found on the scene so it was self-defense i feel like if you want to get someone off you'd want it to be more lustful uh well You'd want it to be lustful. Why? If they're being accused Forget for something. <laughs> but but if you no, want to, you know. Yeah, but you but whatever get them it is, off. You, you can help paint a story better, right? Yes. Uh huh. So you you can take this. You could make this more narrative fingerprinting form, right? You could also sell these this type of fingerprint detection for uh you know someone goes out on a date. Uh, the the date gets up and goes to the bathroom. You can mm -hmm. snatch the glass and send it in for fingerprint detection, and they can tell you, oh, no, this guy was into you, right? Uh, he was feeling lustful. He was, uh, you know, wh wh whatever it is, you, you, can, you can help it out. I think the biggest thing, though, is, is making fingerprinting in courts, being able to be more, more narrative and tell a story and have emotion mm -hmm. behind it, uh, which will really help the, the prosecutors, the defense, whatever it be. Uh, and it will revitalize fingerprints as the number one way of detecting. There it is. Yeah, I like it. I think you do. You would be make a great uh, uh, screenplay. Yeah. It Word. sure would. Yeah. There you go. I've given you your next screenplay idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was a violent crime. You find your fingerprint there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's my fingerprint. But you can tell <clears throat> I was bored, right? I wasn't murdering someone. I wasn't engaged in a fight. I was there and bored. But maybe you're a serial killer who is just... Bored by the murder? Yeah, you don't get you don't get aroused by it. It's just that's old hat. That's where the screenplay is. That's, that's the screenplay. That's there the you twist. go. There you go. There you go. You've got it. No, great idea, Noel. I like it. There's money in forensics. Yes. 
and the friend you could do an entire moth yeah that is just the stories that have been told by people's fingerprints yeah yeah there you go you could yeah um i like it nice job thanks gold oh thanks you get the gold you get a sticker a pin uh remarkably the same thing no you don't no, I don't have the same thing. Um, I, you know, as we all know, fingerprints are one of a kind. Yeah. Uh, in the hundred years, hundred plus years that they have been doing fingerprints, uh, uh, filing them, they have not seen a single matching pair, which is really incredible, right? Mm-hmm. when you think about it, because we're not even talking about like generationally. We're talking about multiple generations yeah. of people being fingerprinted and not a single pair or set of fingerprints the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, fingerprints have become the thing to use for security, mm-hmm. right? Uh They're using that. They're using <clears throat> fingerprint uh, 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 biometrics for time clock in machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously use it to get in and out of uh, 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 high security areas. Um, Disney mm-hmm. has implemented fingerprint biometrics as part of their access system into the park. Um, all Disney uh, uh, properties at the entry gates require all guests age three plus to scan their entry tickets and then place their finger onto a scanner to confirm their identification. Okay. It goes into a giant database and then it makes it easier for them to go between all the different parks, even if they lose their ticket. Fingerprints have been used to identify a multi-million dollar Jackson Pollock painting that was unsigned that a woman bought from a thrift store for $5. Okay. They found one of Jackson Pollock's fingerprints on it, and that was, as far as they were concerned, as good as a signature. But are fingerprints mm-hmm. hackable? And the answer is yes, they are. And why is that? Because scientists from Michigan State University, mm-hmm. in an attempt to test the quality of biometric locks, okay. uh, have printed 3D molds wearable fingertips okay all right um they produce the fingertips to test fingerprint readers the models uh uh worked with all three fingertip readers and apparently there are three different types there are optical which is they scan your fingertips and take a a a a picture of them essentially Capacitive, I don't know what that means, and then an ultrasound-based one. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. 
So really simply, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get that technology. Yeah. You're going to 3D print fingerprints. Now, this opens up a whole world of potential money-making situations. Yeah, They're all, I think, without a doubt, if not officially illegal, certainly run along the line of illegality, uh, illegality. So you can do things like if someone wants to frame their neighbor, they can get copies of the fingerprints. You'll print them up for them and they will use those fingerprints to commit a murder Mm -hmm. or they'll commit a murder and make sure that they leave those fingerprints back there. You can use it to throw the police off of your uh, uh, scent. Say you're a a cat burglar of some sort. You just steal some rando's fingerprints from a a glass. You get them printed up on your fingers. You break into a house. You steal millions of dollars worth of jewelry. And you leave all this stranger's fingerprints everywhere. They find them. They arrest them. It wasn't me. How could I do that? We've got your fingerprints on site. Uh, I like the idea, though, of having someone, uh, uh, an art forger, paint great works of art, or from, I should say, works of, you know, original paintings that they can follow in the style of famous modern-day painters where you could, you know, find a picture of their hands that you can get their fingerprint from. And then put fingerprints on those paintings yeah. from that artist. And it's clearly as good as a signature. Mm-hmm. Obviously waiting until the artist dies, but then you can just have a whole load of paintings just sitting in the back there waiting for them. Sell them at auction for tens of millions of dollars. Well, it's and, just and an, I don't know if you came across this in your, in your research. You can get fingerprints from a dead body, from a very old dead body even. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to go dig... Yeah. You'd have to go digging things up. As long as they have skin on there, as long as the skin's there, mm-hmm. the fingerprints are there. So, yeah, it's just, it's it really gives you a world of possibilities for people to make money, for you to make money off of printing the fingerprints and people to make money off of the printed fingerprints. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's great. Uh, you guys, uh, if you like our ideas and you're like, you know, I'm going to give them money when they when I get rich, but, man, I'd like to give Radio Free Brooklyn a little bit of money right now to keep these guys on the air and help keep the servers humming at Radio Free Brooklyn. You can. You can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and get the sponsor button and pledge an amount, and all that money goes to Radio Free Brooklyn, and you get a tax break because Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 charitable organization. You get to feel like a champ because you are supporting community radio, supporting the arts, being... A mensch, right? Um, if you want to help support in other ways, you can do that too. You can subscribe to the newsletter. You can download the apps, iOS or Android, which allow you to listen to the station live or download all the archives of all the shows. Um, you can be on uh, Amazon where you, where you have the Amazon Smile link, right? And you, every purchase you make, Amazon puts a minuscule little amount of money in a in a donation to the charity of your choice, no no money on a year pocket. Uh, you can select Radio Free Brooklyn as your charity. I saw my uh, my 
smile thing now is up to 20 bucks. It's given Radio Free Brooklyn. You go, boy. Which uh, isn't a lot, but if enough people do it, hey, it really adds up, right? Yep. Um, we also have a sponsor. Radio Free Brooklyn is a sponsor. Uh, if you've heard us before, you, you already know them, you already love them. Uh, <laughs> so this is all the new people out there. Um, city running tours, right? They're now offering neighborhood running tours as a way to discover the history of New York neighborhoods while on a run. Choose from 23 different tours of neighborhoods in Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, or the Bronx. Uh, offered seven days a week. Go to cityrunningtours.com slash New York City. Check out the schedule. Book a tour, right? You're, you're, no one's going anywhere. You're sitting on your couch. You're getting fat. You're getting bored. Get out there. Go for a run. Get some education on the neighborhoods in the city, right? Uh, if you still want to stay on the couch and be lazy, go to Instagram.com slash City Running Tours Saturday at 10 a.m. And you can see them Insta Live or whatever it's called, uh, a running tour. And as thanks for letting us check all our checks, uh, every week we have a topic. This week is fingerprints. From that topic, we've used so many ways to get so many rich. It's not enough, not enough, not enough. Josh is like, I want to find another way to get them even more rich. So he finds a little topic, and he slips it in right around here. So, Mr. Josh, please take it away. The Get Rich Quick Tip of the Week. Brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. I mean, a lot of my life, quite honestly, is just copying things that I see. There's not a lot of original thought here. It truly is not. I mean, we can all pretend we're all fucking geniuses. Honestly, be good copiers. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. Like, be around high-functioning, high-quality people and just copy the shit that they do. <laughs> Observe the shit that's, you know kind of crappy, and then don't do that stuff. It's not a fucking complicated formula. There you go. Solid advice. Yeah. That, that, that was a bit of a confusing clip. In it what sound, way? It, it sounded semi-stand-up-ish, and yet the music was very <clears throat> dramatic. It was It was not stand-up-ish. It was an interview with a... I don't know the guy's name. He's sort of become... He's a billionaire. Uh, I don't know if he's a VC or a... a, a or something, but he's a, a billionaire kind of tech guy uh, who became somewhat, uh, uh, he sort of went viral, became somewhat famous because during the uh, 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 GameStop mm-hmm. run, uh, he was the one that was that went on like one of the uh, uh, business channels and was like, yeah, fuck the hedge funds. Tough shit for them. They lost all their money. Oh, well. Okay. And everyone was sort of shocked that a guy who's a billionaire, you know, investor guy would say that. You know, yeah. he was basically like, they deserve to lose their money. Fuck them. Okay. Um, I can't remember what his name is. But it was it was a uh, sit-down conversation with him. Uh, but someone had made a, a, uh, uh, a sort of a, a clip segment of it. So it, like, just cut it down to the sort of... Uh, things that their their takeaways from from the whole two and a half hour conversation mm-hmm. to the ten takeaways and then put that music over on top of it. Okay. So Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Copy people. I, it, copy us. Enough people have. 
Everyone has. Everybody has. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, it gets old after a while. I know. You know, I, know. I feel. Well, I they felt always f- come back for the real deal. Yeah, I felt flattered the first couple times because you know they say it's the sincerest form of flattery. Sure. But after a while, it just got old. Yeah, I'm going to tell you guys uh, that is a lie. The sincerest form of flattery is cash in a bag <laughs> mailed to us. It's true. That, that would is, be the sincerest form of flattery. That's old school. Yeah, uh, really is. You guys, fingerprints, how are we going to get rich with them? I'm going to tell you right now. Um, so my idea touches on your idea. There, there's a little bit of overlap here. Um, so my better half uh, is going to be taking some tests which because of the way the world is right now they need to be done online right Mm -hmm. and uh the proctors of the test require uh that in order to take the test you need to get a webcam and the webcam you can't just use the one on your laptop it needs to be an unattached webcam with autofocus or or attached by a cable can't be part of the Mm-hmm. They, they they get you to pick it up, scan it around the room, show the back of the computer, show make sure there's no one hiding under the desk telling you answers. Oh, really? Yeah, it, you got to be able to move it around. What if she's got uh, Nigel with her? Uh, well, no, she won't for the test. Okay, that that'll be. We will rest assured on that one. I think you should write all of the answers in his diaper. Yeah, <laughs> and she'll be like, "Oh, got to change the baby." Yeah, or just teach them to say them. Yeah. Say the answers. <laughs> uh, so but uh, so the other night I was laying in bed looking up webcams uh, for this. And I started thinking about webcams because, uh, you know, I know some people at work that have them, even though they have laptops. Um, they, you know don't have their laptop open you know they've just got it being used as a computer right. external monitors or whatever right. and they want to have something a little more portable for their only fans accounts <laughs> exactly um but so i i do know from talking to enough people web- about webcams a lot of people are very paranoid about webcams sure right um and they'll buy or they either put a piece of tape on it or there's even special tape you can buy to put on it. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think uh, it's overkill because unless you work in something very sensitive, why does someone want to view your webcam? <laughs> no one's I don't know. You know, my I, computer and turning on my webcam. And if yeah, they I are, guess maybe they good for them. Yeah, maybe they just they're like you know people these days are weird voyeurs, man. True. They will That's watch true. anything. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of sort of surreptitiously watching people doing their regular real-life stuff mm-hmm. and maybe, just maybe, like, the thrill of seeing someone walk across the screen naked and not knowing that you're walk- watching them. Yeah. That's a that's a, that's a a thing for people, man. I have well, no doubt about that. Do you have a piece of tape over your webcam? I did for a while. I Deb had bought me, uh, uh, for, for, the com- for my laptop, had bought me this thing that was a little slider. Okay. Okay. But then I realized that, at least with mine, there's a green light that goes on every time that the camera's operating. Yeah. 
But so I, I figured you know, a hacker, if they wanted to, could turn that. Oh, they can. Off. Sure, of course. Right, if, they, well. if they control the camera, they control the light. Okay, I don't know. What the hell do I know? I'm, I'm, I'm per- the perfect person to be set up for someone to uh, be watching me on their webcam, on the on my webcam. What web are they going to do? Oh, we saw you working. Well, worst case, oh, we saw you jerking off or something. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Well, oh, well, I'm like, I'm like, if you actually want to watch that, yeah. then more power to more you. More power to you. Because no one wants to watch me yeah. jerking off, especially from the angle of a webcam. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is just, that is like watching my, you're basically watching my face with my webcam, with my uh, uh, computer on my chest. Yeah. That's just a nightmare. That angle is nobody's dream. So your little slider is is kind of exactly what inspired me here. And I'm like, what about, I'm sure a lot of people are paranoid like that, especially nowadays with biometrics, Mm -hmm. um, with their fingerprints. And I looked it up, and I did see something where there was a guy. I found a different guy, a whole different thing that kind of had the same thing as you. Only okay. It, was, it wasn't finger cozies. This was a s- design student at Rhode Island School of Design. Uh-huh. Um, and he, as a project, made identity kits, which were Band-Aids, basically, which people could put over their fingers with different fingerprints. Oh, okay. Um, and I thought that was a very simple low tech low cost solution um i really wasn't looking for people to be able to do crimes i'm looking for this paranoid set you know the mm-hmm. the paranoid people out there who want to cover the webcams i'm just looking for that market right so i thought how can i tailor this idea more towards that crowd what could i do to really suck them in and it occurred to me uh you know Guy Fox, the guy who, uh, if anyone doesn't know, Guy Fox was in in Britain. Um, he tried to blow up Parliament, and he got caught. Um, but his face now is the face that's been used in V. Uh, V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. All the those masks that that like all the people in anonymous wear. Yes, yes. And so now it has basically been co-opted by the anarchy crowd. Um. So, uh, what a great symbol if you could just put Guy Fox's fingerprints on these, and so everywhere that all these people touch, if it gets fingerprinted or biometricized by you know covert agents that are going around collecting your cups to profile everyone for the cia or i'm sure that's the kind of stuff a lot of these people are paranoid about Mm -hmm. um all they'll get is guy fox fingerprint right so i Mm -hmm. looked it up uh so guy fox was caught uh protecting a store of gunpowder something like 36 kegs of gunpowder. Um, he was tortured, and he eventually admitted to it, uh, and then he was sentenced to be executed, to be hung, and then drawn and quartered, uh, which is even more torture, uh, and then they were going to take his body to the four corners of England and scatter them around. Uh, so I'm like, great, i got to track down his body parts. <clears throat> 
Mm-hmm. So everything I read about it, though, uh, he when they were when he the, when they got him up there and they were gonna hang him, uh, they were gonna hang him till almost the point of death and then do all this horrible stuff to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he leapt from the platform, the hanging platform. Once they put the rope around him. And it broke his neck, and so he died. And they did all this stuff, but it was to his dead body. Uh, mm-hmm. And then everything I read seemed to indicate that, yeah, at that time, if they did that to you, they basically just did everything until there was no pieces left and then chucked right. him in the river. Uh, you're not going to find a piece of this body. So I started thinking, well, how's anyone going to know? I guess you could you could make a fake print fingerprint and call it Guy Fox fingerprint and put it out there. And that would sell it. Like, right, this would sell like hotcakes. Um, but I kind of had a bad feeling about it until I thought of the one fingerprint that you could pretend is Guy Fox fingerprint. And then if you get caught, no one would care. It would actually be a bigger selling point for your thing, which is instead of Guy Fox fingerprint, you tell everyone it's got Guy Fox fingerprint. Really, what it's got is Rick Ashley's fingerprint, because uh, it's kind of the internet set that is uh-huh. behind this, and everyone knows <coughs> the whole Rick Roll thing, yep. uh, where you trick people into watching, never going to give you up, uh, and so you're kind of Rick Rolling everyone. So anyone who finds out your dirty secret that you're not really selling Guy Fox fingerprints on a band aid is going to realize that they've been Rick Rolled, and they're going to think it's great, and they're going to go out and buy more. There you go. That that is that is a twist I was not expecting. <laughs> that's a great one, right? That yeah, no, that's a solid solid twist that I was not expecting. It should be the the you know what should happen. This is what should happen when you use it. Uh-huh. Like say you try to use that fingerprint to get into you know a uh, 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 biometric uh, uh, door or something like that. Mm-hmm. When you use it the never going to give you up song plays. I did think of that too. You could make something that would be like a, a scanner code that would. Right. That so website you, you get something. properly Rick rolled. Yeah. yeah. That's great. You know, to, you know, as, as fucked up as Guy Fox's uh, death was and the, what they did to him, mm-hmm. they continued to, you know, uh, uh, destroy that man. Yeah. Because every year there is Guy Fox Day, yeah. where basically they beat and hang and burn Guy Fox in effigy. Yeah, for hundreds of years now. Yeah, or a hundred plus years, this guy has not just been left to rest in peace. No, those Brits are brutal. <laughs> They're animals. Uh, anyway, no. So you were talking about how fingerprints are created in the womb. Well, what I had read about that is before fingerprints are formed, uh, fetuses have what are called volar pads on their fingers. And these are smooth pads that are caused by the development of blood vessels and connective tissues. And then what happens is when a fetus hits like 10 to 15 weeks, the pads get absorbed back into the hand. And as the hand continues to grow, the ridges to begin to appear on the pads. And so uh, how the form these ridges takes 
are affected greatly by how prominent uh, uh, the volar pad still is on the fingers, Yeah. right? If it's very prominent, you get what's known as a whorl pattern. Okay. Uh, sort of middle level, you get what's called a loop pattern. And a volar pad, which has been nearly completely reabsorbed by the time it produces rigid ridges, will result in an arc pattern. Okay. Um, well, that was pretty cool, um, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And then I started thinking about, uh, you know, anytime we do anything with uh, that has to do with body parts, things on the body, I can't help but think of body mod people. Yeah. Right. And and body modification has gotten extreme. You have people who try to make themselves look like lizards. It's become a really common thing to split the tongue. So people have snake-like tongues, tattooing eyeballs. Uh, uh, there are guys who are putting uh, uh, steel ball bearings underneath the skin of their penis to give their penis ridges yeah. so they can give their, their partner more sexual pleasure. Uh, there are people now who uh, will amputate parts of their bodies, self-amputate fingers and toes. It's endless mm -hmm. what people are doing. But the only way you can sort of body mod your fingerprints is by removing them. And that's not even permanent. There are acids you use, and it smooths your fingertips out, but eventually your, your fingerprints grow back. And I thought, well, in this day and age, and with various techniques of uh, people do surgery on fetuses all the time, right? So why not go in and reshape volar pads mm -hmm. to bespoke, essentially, uh, one-of-a-kind patterns sure so you can basically have say you you know you're pregnant i mean granted i know 10 to 15 weeks is very early in the pregnancy but you know you're pregnant um and you know the name you want your kid to have and you can have them go in there and put the name create the turn the volar pad into the shape of the name yeah so say cindy Right, and you can do different things with each volar pad. You could make one in the shape of a flower, sure. Another one in the shape of a shark, sure. Family, and crest. so you have what's that? Family crest. Family crest, exactly. So you can literally use your fingerprint as a signature. Um, uh, and and so every time your fingerprint goes on, there's your name. You can sign off instead of actually using your signature. You can put like Noel Deneen in script uh -huh. on your fingerprints, on your first, on your two fingers, and you just press it right into the into the end of the letter. Yeah. But people would go nuts for this. Yeah. Kids would love it. Oh yeah. You know they'd be putting, taking their finger, dipping in ink, and stamping people's foreheads with sure. it. And there's a little flower. Yeah. So there you go. That's body great. modding. That's great, guys. Hey, if you want to get in touch with Josh and I and tell us how great our ideas are or give us ideas for the show or just to say hello, 
You can get us on Twitter at GRQ Josh Noel. You can email us at with uh, email us at uh, GRQ with Josh and Noel at gmail.com. Get us on Facebook at Facebook slash GRQ Josh Noel. You can go on iTunes or anywhere that you can get a podcast nowadays, which is everywhere. I think they sell them at the bodegas. Um, they really do. Everyone's you, doing podcasts. Yeah, you can subscribe. You can rate. You can review. <gasps> Please do. And uh, if you only listen to us in podcast form, you're missing out. You should tune in to us Saturday nights, 8 o'clock, Radio Free Brooklyn. Get the schemes five days for everyone else. Get there early. Listen to Arts Are Seen. Stick around afterwards. Listen to The Circuit. There's a lot going on at Radio Free Brooklyn. You should check it out. Um, you guys, right now, you got a lot of money in your pocket. You're wondering, what am I going to do? It's too much. Uh, don't worry. Josh got you covered. Take it away. One of the most famous gemstones of all time, the Florentine Diamond has a fascinating story. It was originally made for the Duke of Burgundy, Charles the Bold, who was said to be wearing it when he was killed at the Battle of Marat in 1476. It was pilfered from Charles's corpse and, thinking it was glass, the thief sold it for a measly two francs. It passed between several different owners over the next 400 years, eventually ending up in the hands of Charles I of Austria. It's believed the one 137 carat yellow diamond was stolen by someone close to the family and whisked away to South America sometime after the end of World War I, along with other crown jewels. What happened to it after that remains a mystery, but it was valued at approximately $25 million in 1922. That means it would be worth around $380 million today. $380 million today. Yeah. That guy needs to go to voiceover school. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go, guys. If you can find that diamond, it's worth $380 million. Boom. You can spend that money. Yeah. Because you got so much money, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? Buy rare diamonds. Yeah. Anyway. You guys. We know our ideas are so fantastic and they make you so much money. How do you know that they're as good as we do? It's because we've got rules of getting rich quick to which we do schemes by. Where do they come from this week, Josh? Uh, this week, five steps to getting rich. Read this first. Yeah. Rule number one, start with little steps. Start with little steps, right? Take a Band-Aid, put it on your finger, and the next thing you know, you're never going to give you up. You're never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. <laughs> never going to make you cry, never going to say goodbye, never going to tell a lie and hurt you. Wow, not only are we one for one and we're yeah. going to get rich, we also got not a singing of the song, a recitation. <laughs> that was really beautiful. So we're definitely getting rich, guys. So once again for Josh. And Noel, don't spend all that knowledge in one place. <laughs> Okay.